Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi, and welcome to Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. I'm Sergi Junien. I'm a PhD student at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. And today with me is James Sharp. Uh, he's a group leader at the Multicellular Systems Biology Lab at MBL Barcelona. Uh, welcome, James. How are you? Thanks very much. It's really nice to be here. Yes, and it was great giving the seminar earlier today. Um, we've been lucky enough to, to see your presentation today, and it, it was great. It was super interesting. Uh, your research combines a bunch of techniques, uh, systems biology approaches combined with microscopy and certain aspects of advanced microscopy with mathematical modeling, uh, all to study organogenesis. Um, this is quite a big uh, bag of concepts. Uh, would you would you mind telling us what are the main questions that your lab is trying to answer? Well, thanks. Yes, um, indeed, there's quite a big bag of questions, as you say. For for me, it's kind of a, a multi-scale and also sort of with a lot of feedback kind of process, um, going all the way from molecular questions, how individual genes are regulated, questions about cell biology, how cells know which way to move, how they move, and how they know which decisions to make. And then at the whole organ level as well, like how does the tissue act as a tissue? How do the, does the organ act as an organ? And how does this all get kind of integrated? So we have you know, lots of different questions going on, but the, the big overall question is somehow the, the organization of all of this. It's like, how does this miracle kind of happen that you, from a bunch of cells, you develop a hand, in our case, or a heart, in someone else's case, or indeed the whole body. I mean, it's still an amazing kind of um, miracle of, of biology. It's crazy that an embryo can do all these things at the same time without getting it wrong too often. So uh, yeah, it's 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 super interesting. Um, how do you avoid missing stuff that you're not looking for when you're doing your experiments? So when you have a model that you're trying to with a model, you're trying to explain a certain thing that you're saying, but this model has some assumptions to begin with and some readouts that you take from it. How do we avoid missing information, this more biological information that is affecting the whole embryo? I mean, maybe again, there's sort of two parts to that or two aspects. I mean, one is to, to be conscious that you don't want to get distracted or care about things that are not relevant so the question is how what's relevant and again that comes back to defining things in advance so one thing to say is well we know that we've missed something if you, if you know if your question is how do you know if you've missed something i mean if there's a particular phenotype that we haven't been able to explain then we've missed something but we know we've missed it because we've listed up front the phenotypes that we're trying to explain so defining up front what what it is that, that you want to explain and but then the, the other element is that for example i don't know the the root of, of transmission of information. If you take a signal transduction pathway, so to put that in more layman's terms, when signal when cells signal to each other, communicate with each other, they use certain proteins, they secrete certain proteins, and um, those proteins move from cell to cell by various means, and then the cells can detect them. And by detecting that protein, it gives them information, helps them information about what they should do based on the strength of that signal or the duration of that signal and various other things. Now, to for a cell to detect and respond to a signal, 
maybe involves you know 10 20 50 different proteins in the cell and biochemical interactions but we hope and it seems possible from sort of early results that you don't have to model every single molecular interaction in order to capture what's going on um, and that is about context if you were to study the whole embryo it would be more complicated which is indeed why we're taking it one step at a time um, but in that context you know if you ask the question how do you know you haven't missed some let's say biochemical reaction that is essential to the process in that kind of question of whether we're missing something the answer is yes we're, we're purposefully trying to skip over some of the details because we would never be able to simulate something as complex as an organ or a whole body um, molecule by molecule yeah yeah very nice um perhaps i'd like to move now towards the the, the results so what have you find what have you found with um with your approach um well you know i would say that we've had plenty of success along the way um even though the truth is i'm still feeling like we haven't uh, i'm not sure how far we've got because my original goal and i was very maybe naive but i think it's kind of useful to be naive sometimes when i started my phd was indeed to build a model of limb development and you know 20 years later we're still trying to do that and uh, with, a whole, with a whole team of wonderful people who are trying to um, do this together um, but it's not that we haven't achieved anything along the way of course we've sort of discovered a few things i mean we've discovered that one of the um, simple ideas of how the limb gets longer for example um, is not possible is not true it was discussed but not very rigorously to be honest that um, by making the cells proliferate more at the far end like just under where would be your fingertips but by making proliferation stronger there faster there that would be enough to make the limb elongate and by doing a mixture of making quantitative measurements of proliferation rates and then computer simulations in, in fact finite element modeling um, we just we sort of realized and, and showed that um, this is completely impossible um, and so that helps to push us in the direction of what are the active behaviors that the cells are doing which do cause the elongation of your 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 arm um, and then the other one that has been very fun over the years was trying to find evidence for whether the patterning of your fingers actually corresponds to something that Alan Turing discovered as a mathematical sort of um, idea um, back in 1952. Um, he wasn't proposing it for the fingers. He was just exploring the idea generally in developmental biology that maybe um, patterns across tissues could arise in a certain way the phrase Turing pattern and the idea of Turing patterns has become quite common now. And now, it, because it's quite common, it sort of seems obvious and, and, and easy. But um, it absolutely wasn't at the beginning. People had a very hard time accepting this idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to ask you about how you've gotten to where you are right now. So just the discussion that we're having uh, right now as well as your your work your work implies a lot of computational uh, analysis a lot of modeling a lot of maths 
did you start as a as a physicist or a math student and then move to biology or the other way around or how how was this transition how did you get to this point well so i mean so my official kind of education if you look at it is the is as a biologist and as a biologist coming to to those other areas so like incorporating computational modeling and analysis and, and things like that um, my sort of real first interests in any of this area was in computing before biology so when i was 10 in fact my dad bought us a um, one of the first home computers it was a strange thing from japan called a from sharp from the company sharp that was a sort of a black and white alphanumeric screen and you could learn to program in basic and there were no games at all that was in 1980 and um, I actually got completely hooked, completely obsessed with computer programming. And in fact, my interest in biology, my kind of equal, equally intense obsession with biology came from realizing that there's something a little bit, of, a bit like computer programming in it. But you know, as a kid, I basically learned how to program and the you know, what started was just this sort of um, awe or amazement that in a sense you were limited by nothing but your own imagination. It felt like anyone who would learn to program could program anything that they were clever enough to think of. Um, and then I started, you know, at high school to learn about um, DNA and the genetic code and how, you know, it is also very kind of digital and kind of linear and it's translated and that's all this. For me, the fascination with biology is how it controls itself but the actual dynamical process or or you know equivalent to a computer the kind of um, the almost like algorithmic process of how a given set of genes a given circuitry a given you know set of signaling achieves a result a result that is useful to the organism somehow so um, yeah, so basically that's it. As a child, I was a computer geek. Then my official training as my degree was biology, but I was always trying to replicate what was in the lab in a computer, always. Yeah, yes. And perhaps that's a that's a good segue for my, my last question, which is about MBL Barcelona. And if I understand it correctly, MBL Barcelona has this idea on its core, right? So working on uh, organogenesis but taking a lot of these principles of modeling together with uh, si with model systems in which you can study this could you tell us a little bit about mbl barcelona its function its idea yes the sort of t subtitle of the unit is tissue biology and disease modeling and the main um, emphases are on multicellular systems so it's very much about you know what happens or what's possible um, in in tissues and multicellular systems of course molecular biology and cell biology is very much at the heart of it but questions of gene regulation per se or differentiation per se are not our focus it's about actually having the the construct of, of a tissue and something there um, then in terms of approaches Doing things in vitro is very uh, is a very strong goal of the unit. In vitro is very important because we want to get these complex multicellular phenomena 
into a location where we can access everything about them, where we can image them, we can probe them, we can perturb them, we can measure them. Um, and as you say, ultimately model them. So in a sense, have as much access as possible um, so that we can also get as much quantitative data out and build the kind of corresponding model of that system. So to, to try to prove to what extent we really understand the thing or, or not. Uh, I personally really like the idea behind uh, MBL Barcelona. I follow, uh, I follow it on Twitter. <laughs> I follow the publications. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a really interesting uh, kind of relatively young center. And it's a very exciting place because it's still got the feeling of starting and growing. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Uh, so I would like to thank you very much, James, for answering all my questions. It's been a really nice chat. Uh, thank you very much. And thanks for your fantastic talk today at Stem Cells at Lunch seminar. Um, and for the Stem Cells at Lunch Digested listeners, uh, this is it for this week. And I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.